จีน And let's ask God's help as we um, look at God's word together. Let's pray. We do thank you, our Lord and God, that you're a God who talks and speaks to us. And we ask today that through this parable, uh, that we would hear your voice loudly and clearly, and that we would leave here changed people. And just like this parable, that we'd all leave here knowing that we are accepted, justified, right with you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think back to the last time someone said to you, "That was great," or "Well done," or um, "That was wonderful." Good job. Now, perhaps you can remember that straight away, and you can remember the time somebody um, said that. Or maybe um, you can't remember it, and that just leaves a longing in your heart to hear it again because it feels good when somebody says, "That was good. You did well." You know, there's something in each one of us, isn't it, that longs to hear those words, well done. They long to hear those words, you're accepted, you're approved. Uh, and maybe you know if you haven't had that, there is just this longing for it. We want to know if we're good enough. We want to know if we've done enough. So failure in any area of our lives can seem so hard, can't it? If we fail in relationships, or if we fail in our work, or if we fail in our life, or we fail in our... Whatever it might be, we, it hits hard because we think I'm not good enough. I'm not approved. I'm not loved. As humans, we're on this search for approval, aren't we? Whether it's looking for fame and the adoration of millions, whether it's getting likes on social media, whether it's impressing our family members, whether it's impressing our work colleagues or classmates, whether it's longing for our parents to say, well done. Whether it's longing for our children to say, uh, thank you. Whether it's wondering whether we've done enough in our life. Have I accomplished enough? We're on this search for a verdict that says, you're okay. You've done enough. You're accepted. Now, why is it that we need that? Why is it we long for that? Well, the Bible shows us why, really, because we're told we were created in, in Genesis. We were created to know God and to be loved by God. And one of the bits that stands out in the, in the um, Garden of Eden, uh, and you'll see it carefully drawn in children's Bibles, is that they were naked and felt no shame. They were before God, open and honest. And this is, say, this is me. They weren't covering up. They weren't pretending. Saying, this is who I am. And there was this loving relationship between the real them and the real God, and that's what we were created for. This openness, this acceptance, and this love. We're longing for somebody to truly see us and truly accept us. For them, for them to say to us, you are accepted. Uh, you are loved. Now, as we think on that truth, I wonder today, if you've, asked, if you've ever asked this question, how can I be approved by God? How can I hear the voice of God saying to me, um, well done? You're approved. You're accepted. Well, Jesus, in this parable, tells us how. How we can hear that voice that we're all longing for. How we can have the, the verdict that we are desperate to hear. And it's not what we expect. As I said when we read this passage, the, this um, parable should shock us and surprise us. We should think at the end of it going, hang on, how does that happen? How does that work? So what I'm going to do is just go through the parable again, tell, retell the story, and just point out some of the things that... Um, the, the hearers in the first century would have heard that we might not um, hear now because roles and people have changed a bit, like Pharisees and tax collectors, just to understand who they are. So Jesus tells the story of, a, of two men 
who go to the temple to pray. There's the Pharisee. Now, that is the well-respected, religious, good person. Um, they wouldn't have been a full-time religious worker, but they were very well-respected. Uh, they were very well-disciplined. Uh, they were always doing the right thing uh, for, in front of other people. Very religious. So today, what, who would they be like? Well, they'd be like the respected doctor in the community or the, the chapel-goer. You know, the one who is always the, the uh, giving or helping out or volunteering for charity. The pillar of the community. That's the kind of person here, the one who everybody looks up to. That's one person who goes into the temple. The other person we meet is the tax collector. Now, a tax collector um, in those days was seen very differently to a tax collector today. A tax collector today is, well, you know, it's, they're just doing their job, aren't they? They are working for the government, and uh, we don't really, maybe we don't, we're not a fan of giving our money to the tax men, but, or women, but we don't mind them that much. But in these days, in the first century, the tax collectors were totally hated by the Jews. We need to grasp that, totally hated. They were seen as traitors because they were working for the Romans, for the enemies. Uh, they, were, they were spat on and ignored by people. They were kind of thrown out of the synagogue, which would have been their way of socialising. Uh, so they were seen as, uh, as traitors. They were, uh, they were a disgrace to their families. They were uh, thrown out of their families. They couldn't even be a witness in court because they weren't trusted as people. They were so deceptive, as many people thought. So why would anybody want to be a tax collector? Well, the pay was really good. But the way you got money was this. You had a, a quota to collect for the Romans. You had to collect a certain amount. And anything over that, you kept for yourself. So if you charge a little bit more, you would get the extra. So they would go and they would uh, take money from their countrymen, from fellow Jews, and they would use it for themselves, and they would end up being quite well off. So here they were, they, they went, took this job for the money, for the pay, uh, but they were hated by everybody. And they didn't accidentally fall into this job. You had to bid to be a tax collector. You had to kind of put offers in to, to pay to be one. Now, uh, they were n not nice. They were, uh, people were seen of as people who were um, liars and thieves, stealing and taking what's not theirs. They'd chosen money over family and friends. They'd chosen to betray their fellow country people in order to get uh, more and more, uh, a better bank balance. So today, who is that like? Well, who is it that you look down on and write off? Maybe you see them walking down the street and you just tut. Maybe people who you really don't like. See, these two couldn't be any more contrasting. The pillar of the community and the one who everybody hates and looks down on. They are, the, the tax collector was despised and rejected. So we've got the despised versus the one who is respected. You've got the, the welcomed versus the outcast. It's a big contrast. And then like down to verse 14, do you see what we see at the end of the parable? This man, one of them went home justified, not the other. So one went away right with God. One went away approved, accepted by God, and the other didn't. One left certain of heaven, the other left on their way to hell. Now, with these two men in mind, the respected and the rejected, the approved one, the one who is um, welcomed versus the outcast, who is going to be welcomed by God? Who is going to be approved and accepted? Well, that's where the twist in the tale comes, isn't it? Because Jesus tells us it's the tax collector that leaves accepted. It's the tax collector that leaves uh, welcomed by God. Now, the reason that is such a shock to us is because we've got uh, how we view approaching God wrong. 
Uh, we think that is um, it's such a shock because so often we default into thinking we approach God based on what we do. So let's look and ask this question. What is the, how can we be accepted by God? And there's two headings for us today. We're going to look at the wrong way to be accepted and then the right way to be accepted. Okay, so let's look at firstly at the wrong way to be accepted by God. How to be rejected, really. Well, this well-respected man goes into the temple. And here he is, the Pharisee. He stands up. And no doubt he was in a very obvious place. Uh, no doubt he was standing in a place where everybody could see him. And then he starts to pray out loud so everybody hears. And he tells us all that he's doing. Verse 12 tells us, I fast twice a week. Now, um, he's doing this religious activity. It's above what was required. They were only required to fast once a year, really, on the Day of Atonement. But he was doing it twice a week. So twice a week he wouldn't eat any food and he would set that time aside to read and to pray. Uh, and also he, t- he tells us, I, I fast twice a week and I tithe all that I get. So not just my income, but I'll tithe the things, maybe the herbs that I have or the other things that I possess. I'll give 10% of everything I have away. So he was uh, using his money in a way that was charitable. And he was telling God everything that he had done. Uh, he was no doubt giving lots of money to the temple. He was no doubt um, being generous to those in need and giving to charity. So what is wrong with this person? Here he is, he's praying a lot more than other people. He's giving his money away a lot more than other people. So what's wrong? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 9, he was trusting in himself for being righteous before God. He was trusting in what he was doing to make himself right before God. That was the problem. He thought that by doing as as many good actions as he could, he could be right before God. So he's not doing any of these activities for God. He's not doing it even for other people. He's doing it so that he can be made righteous before God. He was trusting in his own thing. So he was trying to do this to gain acceptance. If I give enough away, if I'm in the right place at the right time, if I uh, pray enough or fast enough, then I'll be accepted. Then God must have to accept me. The problem is this man has misdiagnosed the problem completely. He thinks that all it takes is to be right with God is to do a few good things. That'll sort it out. He's not dealing with the problem of his heart, the reason why he's doing these things. He's just thinking about the external. He's just thinking about what he can do and he hasn't dealt with the deeper problem. He could be giving money away for all different types of reasons, but not for God. He could be trying to do good things for all different types of reasons, but not for God. And Jesus points out that another problem that this um, man and these people had that shows the darkness of this situation. Look what it tells us in verse 9. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous, but also they treated others with contempt. And when you see the rest of his prayer, you see what's going on here. Because he, uh, in the start of his prayer, look at what he says. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. As he looks on other people, how does he see them? He's ranking himself. He says, I'm better than them. So that must mean that I'm okay. So instead of looking at people who are hurting or struggling and loving and caring for them, he's seeing them as somebody that he can trample on to get himself higher so that he can be righteous before God. He is treating other people with contempt. And not only that, his prayer is all about him. Do you notice how many times he says, I in there? He comes up time and time again, I've done this, I've done that. I'm not like that. He mentions God, but really his prayer is about how great he is. 
He says, thank you, I'm not like other people. He's looking down on them. He's using them to make himself feel better. So he looks at people and says, well, at least I'm not that bad. You know, I could be a lot worse, couldn't I? So what has this man done wrong? Why is he, does he leave the temple rejected by God? Well, he's thought this. I'm fine. I'm not as bad as other people. And I'm trying my best to do good things and religious things. And so God has to accept me. He has to say and, you know, make sure that I'm making sure I'm okay. I've got to find people worse than me to make myself feel better. And Jesus says, this man is in great danger. This man is in, has got a big problem. He thinks he's fine, but he's really not. He's missing the big problem. The big problem is his heart. Uh, one uh, preacher illustrated it like this. Imagine you've got a regular checkup with your doctor. And you tell the doctor, look, you go and you say, look, I feel absolutely fine. I've just been out in the waiting room and there's people there who really need some attention. You know, there's coughing, there's spluttering, there's bleeding, there's all sorts. They've got big problems, but I feel fine. So you don't need to worry about me. But you sit down in the chair and the doctor starts to examine you, prodding here and there and checking your blood pressure, takes some blood, sends the bloods off and uh, you get a stethoscope out and then they listen to your heart beating and all of this. They do the checks and then the blood test results come back. And he sits you down and says, look, things aren't looking good. The diagnosis, the prognosis is not good. Even though you've got no symptoms, we need to start serious treatment quickly. You say, well, but I feel fine. You know, there's other people who look a lot worse off than me. You know, I've been exercising, I've been eating well, I've been doing all these things. But the doctor looks at the real situation and says, there's a deeper problem here and you need to get it sorted. See, when it comes to being right before God, we can sometimes think, yeah, but I'm fine. I'm trying my best. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as other people. I'm, I'll do a bit of religi religious things. I'll, I'll give to charity. I'll, I'll do all of that. But really, we end up um, missing the heart of the problem. And that is that there's something broken in each one of us. That we are sinners, that we've done wrong. And we, we can't sort it out on our own. We end up doing good things, but we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. We're doing it out of contempt uh, and we look down on other people. Now, this is why the tabloids sell so well. This is why we love a scandal as humans. This is why we're all over it when somebody fails or messes up. Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. At least I'm not that bad. At least I haven't done that. And here is somebody whose life is falling apart. And we just think, well, at least I haven't done that. That's why gossip feels so good. Have you heard about how terrible that this person does, does this? And each time it pushes up a bit higher on the righteousness ladder. And we're building up our account. We think, ah, I'm getting good. And we end up being just like the Pharisee here. We compare ourselves to others. And we end up trusting ourselves. Jesus wants us to hear again this morning. On our own, we're not okay. We have all failed. We've all done things that are wrong. We've done things that show what our heart is really about. Show that... Um, that we are um, sinners, things that we're embarrassed by, and we've all fallen short. I wonder, are you in danger like the Pharisee this morning? Are you saying, oh, I feel fine, I I'm doing okay, I'm, there's lots of people worse off than me? Are you trusting in your own righteousness? Are you uh, thinking that you can do it without God's help? Here are some of the signs that that might be the case for us. Maybe you find yourself looking down on other people, and you think, well, I'm, I'm not like that. And it makes you feel better. Maybe you engage in a lot of gossip, sharing the failures of other people, or just enjoying knowing about or hearing gossip. 
Maybe you struggle with the success of others. Somebody does well and you just don't like it because, well, you want to be that person. Maybe today you're just uncertain of how God views you. If you have a good week, you think God loves me. If you have a bad week, you think he doesn't. Again, we've come to God trying to base it on our actions and what we've done. Maybe every time a prayer goes unanswered, we think, well, what is it that I've done to make God do this or not do this? Maybe our sense of God's love is distant. and We don't really have much power of his love in our life. See, we're trying to seek his approval through what we do. Maybe when you fail, the guilt is just overwhelming because you thought, I, I was good, I thought I'm trying enough, and then you fail and you think, what have I done? What is going on? Maybe your prayer life is dry because you approach God as a person who you're trying to earn your situation you're standing before and you know that you've let him down. We don't approach him as a father, we approach him as somebody we're trying to earn their love. I wonder, have you drifted into that this morning? Have you drifted into trying to make yourself right before God based on what you've done? It doesn't work. It leaves us uncertain. It leaves us insecure. And fundamentally it exposes that we haven't seen the real problem. That we are sinners in need of God's care and grace and forgiveness. We need help outside of ourselves. We can't do it alone. So the wrong way to be accepted by God is to try and do it on our own. And the Pharisee did that and he went away. Um, not, he went away rejected and not accepted. Uh, but let's look now at the right way to be accepted by God, the right way to be accepted by God. Just before we look at that, I did hear the story of a, a Sunday school lesson where they were going through this parable and at the end they said, so let's all pray and thank God that we're not like the Pharisee. You see, there's a danger of us being a Pharisee of Pharisees and we look down on people who think that they're okay and, and they're not. Let's keep ourselves humble this morning. He who humbles himself will be exalted. So the wrong way to be accepted by God, let's look at the right way then. So here's the other man, the tax collector. What's the difference? How does he leave with the word from God saying, you are accepted, you are approved? Well, the tax collector uh, creeps into the back of the temple. He knew he wasn't welcome. He knew if anybody saw him there, they'd probably kick him out. He can't even lift his eyes to heaven. He beats his breast. He's too ashamed. He thinks there's no way that God would accept him. He's showing his sorrow, his sadness of how he really is. He knows he's a sinner and he knows he's failed. And he comes to God and he says, maybe he just whispers it. Does he whisper? Does he say it out loud? We don't know. Verse 13 says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me. Uh, the Greek translation there is the sinner. I'm the sinner. He's not thinking about anybody else. He's just aware he has failed. He's relying not on himself, but on God's mercy. So he's throwing himself totally onto God. He's saying, I can't make it up to you. I can't do this on my own. I need you to show me mercy, to give me what I don't deserve. The word mercy there is a special word, actually. And it means uh, to propitiate. That is to take away anger from me. So instead of being angry towards me, take that away. Provide a sacrifice to take the anger away from me. And if you think of where the tax collector is, he's in the temple. Maybe he's looking up to the altar uh, where the sacrifices were made. And he says, Lord, provide a sacrifice to cover for my sin, to atone for my sin, to help me be one with you again. Again, his trust isn't in himself, but in God helping him and in God showing him grace and mercy. And look what we're told next. That's all he prays. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, 
went down to his house justified. He went, he had the seal of approval, he was accepted. Now what's gone on here? How has that happened? He hasn't got a big list, a religious CV to say, God, look what I've done. He's got nothing. He's got the opposite. He's just got a list of things that he's failed in. But he went away accepted. What's going on? Well, God made this possible. And we know this is possible wonderfully because of the cross. The one saying this parable, Jesus, was the one who in a few chapters time is going to be the sacrifice. He was going to go to the cross and he was going to take our place. He became the sinner and there he was the sacrifice to cover our sins. So today we can come to God and say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. God, will you provide a sacrifice for my failure and my wrong? And wonderfully, Jesus says, I have. I have paid it all. And so we can leave here today knowing that we are accepted, we are justified, we are right with God, and that we have that approval from him. When we cry out to God for mercy, our sin is forgiven. Uh, it is covered. Jesus takes our sin on the cross, and he takes our place. And we take his place, we get what he deserves, and we are accepted, and we are loved, and we are forgiven. Now, when Jesus got baptised, uh, do you remember the words that the Father, that, God, uh, that Jesus heard from heaven, that, that God the Father said? As Jesus was baptised, he said these words, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You know, when you trust in Jesus, the Bible says you are united to him. You are in him. So everything that's true for Jesus becomes true for you. And you look at the New Testament, it so often talks about a Christian being in Christ. So that means when you say to God, God, show mercy to me, we become um, one with Christ, in Christ. And those same words that Jesus heard at the day of his baptism can be said to us. So he says to you today, if you're trusting in Jesus, you are my child. I love you. With you, I am well pleased. Can you see the difference that makes to our lives? When we hear the voice of heaven saying, you're my child, I loved you, with you I am well pleased. Suddenly, that makes such a difference. Instead of using others to build ourselves up, we say, well, like, there's no way, I'm not, no good better than anybody else, but Jesus has forgiven me. So instead of looking at others to kind of push ourselves up, we can love other people and pray for them and serve them instead of looking down on them. We can truly help them. It humbles us. To, and instead of looking down on others, we look up to them. And we say, Lord, without your grace, I'd be there. It also means we don't use other people to try and fill us up with affirmation. We don't just need people to say, you're doing okay. Or we, can, we can know that God loves us. God's accepted us. So we don't use other people to fill us up. We can be okay. We, God loves us. And it sets us free. The ultimate declaration is from heaven. And he says today, you're mine, you're loved, you're approved, you're accepted. We can know deep assurance of forgiveness. Because it's not based on what we've done. It's based on what Jesus has done. And that means there's nothing you've ever done to make God love you. And that means there's nothing you can do to make God stop God loving you. Nothing, because it was all under his grace anyway. There's a joy, there's a peace we know where we're going 
and Jesus done it all. How can we be accepted by God? We pray that prayer and we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I can't do this without you. So today, if you've done that, and if you've cast yourself on Jesus, then you are accepted and you are loved and you are forgiven. We need to rest in that today. Breathe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus was that sacrifice. He paid it for us so that we could be accepted. When's the last time someone said to you, well done? When's the last time somebody said, I love you? Someone said, yeah, you are approved. Well, today, throw yourself on the mercy of God and you can hear those words from him. You were accepted by the God of heaven. You're welcomed in, you are righteous. Leave here knowing that today. Now, how are you going to leave church today? As these two men left the temple, they were going in totally opposite eternal directions. One was confident in himself, looking down on other people, thinking, I am on my way to glory. The other one was thinking, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. Well, look how the parable ends. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The way up in the Christian life is actually the way down. We've humbled ourselves. The, the entrance to the kingdom of God isn't high up and, and impress other people. It's low down. You've done it all, Jesus. So let's today humble ourselves and know that we can be righteous before God because of what he has done for us. Just to close, I'm going to read um, one of the catechisms, one of the famous old question and answers is the Heidelberg Catechism. And this is what it says. Uh, if you're a Christian, this is true for you. How are you righteous before God only by true faith in Jesus Christ even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments and of never having kept any of them and even though I'm still inclined towards evil nevertheless without my deserving it at all out of sheer grace God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction righteousness and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, as if I had been perfectly obedient, obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is accept this gift of God with a believing heart. How can we be accepted and loved and justified? Accept the gift of Jesus for you. It's free for all. Whatever you've done, it doesn't matter because we come and say, God, be merciful to me a sinner and we're accepted we're welcomed let's rejoice in that today and if you haven't done that then let today be the day where you throw yourself onto jesus it's not about what we do it's about what he's done for us so let's uh, spend a few moments just in silence thinking those things through before we sing our last song together i'll just leave a few minutes silence for us to think those things through Father, I pray that you would help us to really believe and to know that when we cast ourselves onto the Lord Jesus, when we see what he's done for us on the cross, that we know that we are accepted and loved, that we hear the voice of heaven saying, you are my child, I love you, and with you I am well pleased.
Lord, we pray, help us to have the eyes of faith to believe that and hear that deep in the core of our being. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing our last um, song together.